Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Rethink. Too busy not to rethink. Give me a little bit more, guys. Too busy not to rethink. Joshua has nearly transformed a slave state into an army. You see, Israel is not just called out of Egypt. They, like you, were called to possess a land of promise. If Israel enters the promised land with the slave mentality, they will watch their families perish. Slaves don't march in columns. They're not soldiers. God gives Joshua a command. He says, Jericho is mine. One man fails to obey, endangering the entire nation. His name was Achan. He made a crucial error and traded his family's future for something that was right in front of him. Going to be talking a little bit about soldiering today, and it's going to be good. Hey, speaking of soldiering, we're going to have kind of a special Remembrance Day service next Sunday. So this is a great opportunity for you to get your unchurched friends who like don't think about church the way that you think about church, and like it's fun and engaging, and God is there and stuff like that. You know, okay. You remember that talk that we had a few minutes ago about you helping me preach? I can do another one, but it's going to come across like super like guilty. I can I can I can wield guilt if you want. Help me preach here. We're going to look whether or not you realize that you, your life and the freedom you live in was because of the sacrifice of others. It makes us uncomfortable to talk about, but we're going to talk about it in church, and we're going to remember those who have fallen to keep you free and to get you free in the first place. Now, to translate that into a sermon about Jesus is like shooting fish in a barrel because, I mean, you want to talk about the greatest soldier who ever lived. On a suicide mission for you and the state of your soul. It's going to be great. And so um, bring your friends out to that. Your unchurched people to like, hey, uh we have this different kind of a Remembrance Day service we want you to come to. Don't tell them when it's in a church, because it's not. It's in the theater. It's not in a church. So trick them, lie to them, promise them dinner, get them to church however you've got to. Five disciplines in the life of Joshua that if you apply to your life, you will have the connection with God and people, and you will have success. Five disciplines in the life of Joshua. Here is a discipline that we will find that he needed to rethink. He needed to train himself and let God train him into rethinking some things. You need to rethink some things in your life. Joshua, he has an impossible mission. He has to train an entire nation in how to rethink. You'd, you'd think that the shift would be the most natural thing in the world, but an entire generation of slaves died in the wilderness, proving that that wasn't quite true. They died in a wilderness only days away from the promised land, wandering for 40 years on what was originally an 11-day journey. 40 years in the wilderness, because they would not allow Joshua to retrain their thinking until their sons and daughters rose up and came into the promised land. This uh, sermon I'm going to talk to to you today about is the reason that many people don't stand the test of time in relationships. Maybe your story is like their story, or maybe some people even don't stand the test of time in Christianity and with their faith in God, because some of us refuse to be retrained in how to rethink. If you refused to allow yourself to be retrained in how to rethink, you will only put the the burden on the next generation, and that to me seems unthinkable. So I would, I would, and, and maybe you would join with me to retrain how.
to rethink so that the next generation doesn't have to fight the same battles that you have to fight. So that your, your ceiling could be their floor. That was the point of the thing. But these slaves refused to be trained in how to rethink. Why? Because this is something you have to volunteer for. And slaves don't volunteer for anything. But on the eve of a war lasting for years, the seed of something small seeps into the camp of Israel. See, there's a world of difference between leaving Egypt and between entering the promised land. Just as there is a world of difference between escaping death and being truly alive. Joshua chapter 6, on the 15th day, or on the 7th day, in the 15th verse. <laughs> you like how I say that? <laughs> At least I didn't knock a bass guitar over. <laughs> the Israelites got up at dawn. They had their devotions. They did their prayer time. First thing. Remember that sermon I preached about reading the Bible first thing in the morning? So we'll assume that that's what they were doing first, because that's what Joshua did first. And they marched around the town of Jericho as they had done before, but this time they went around the town seven times, the seventh time around. As the priests sounded the long blasts on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town, Jericho and everything in it. Listen, must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. I love in this year that they mentioned somebody who used to be a prostitute. And if there's hope for her, then there's surely hope for you. Yeah. Jericho is mine, God says. Jericho is mine. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. It's like Old Testament now. Got any Old Testament moms? If you touch your brother one more time, I swear I will destroy you. Get your hand out of that. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sounds of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Now this is when something happens in your life that is a total miracle. So you win a war, or God does something in your life, or you get set free from your sins, and this is when something happens that's a miracle, but that's not where you lose the fight, you lose it on the next day. You ready? Joshua 7, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan has stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. It's interesting that... It's recorded here, but Israel violated the instructions. Now, you don't really understand this is because this is more like thinking as a whole, and we're very individualistic in, in Canada, because you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, Israel didn't do this, one person did this. But that's not, because, it's because you're Canadian, you don't understand community the way that the Bible intended community to be. So, so it's not, when, somebody, when something happens to somebody in my small group, it's the same thing as it happening to me. So you need to get into a small group. When, when they celebrate a joy, then I celebrate with them because it's the same thing as it happening to me. This is what family is all about in church family. When somebody is struggling, their struggle is my struggle now. So when you're struggling in your marriage, I feel that and I pray for you like it's my marriage. That, that's what it's talking about here. But Israel violated, it says. Joshua sent some of his 
men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel. Listen to this. Near Beth-Avon, when they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack this tiny little Ai, since there are so few of them. Don't make all our people struggle to go there. So Joshua likely sends his closest army guys just to go and deal with this little struggle. This is when something easy in your life starts to fall apart. It says, so approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. They'd just taken, like, the flagship, and now they go to this tiny little place, and they're soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. In full retreat, 36 men didn't come home. 36 families now widowed, because one person did something, and the whole nation was brought into the guilt of that says they were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. Listen to Joshua's response. It's not the best response. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads. This is how they used to uh, signify deep mourning in the Old Testament. And bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Now, do you remember before, we were talking previously in the series about Joshua getting face down on the ground before, before what we think is the appearance of Jesus. This is a different kind of a face down. Okay, um, then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to say on the other side. Now listen to Joshua, this great man of God, taking this new generation in because the older generation didn't get it. And they ended up dying in the wilderness. But isn't that what they used to say in the wilderness? Why did you take us out of Egypt if it was just so that we get wiped out here? There's still something in him. There's still something in them. There's still a slave mentality in them. They did what slaves did. They complained. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe, off, and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And, and then what will happen to, to the honor of your great name? But, Joshua, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying in your face like this? Now, this is a different kind of like before. It was like, you should stay down because I'm, I'm God and you should stay down. And that's how that works. This is a different sort of a thing. It's when you're sulking and you're crying in your prayer time and you're upset because your life didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to turn out. And this is when you throw a tiny little temper tantrum. And, and God, your heavenly father, you remember we talked about how to talk to the father, walks into the room and he's like, um, what are y'all doing? My dad was great in, during temper tantrum moments because I could be kicking and screaming on the floor and he would just like walk around me and he'd kind of look back and, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you think you're going to change the course of the family, do you? What are you doing down there? This is when God says to somebody listening, what are you doing right now? On the ground. One time I tried to run away from home. I think I was in grade six and I talked my brother into it. He's my little brother and I'm Irish and I can talk him into stuff. And so I'm like, we have had it with this regime in this house, Ryan. We are out. We are running away from home. We were, it took us like an hour to get our crap together. And then we just, we started out the door and dad goes, where are you going? You know, what are you doing? I'm like, we've had it. We collectively, we have had it. I'm not the only one who thinks this. 
If you ever hear that, that means that, that you are the only one who thinks that. Everyone's just along for the ride. Whenever I hear like, oh, and, and there's a lot of people who think that. Uh, three would be a lot of people. <laughs> so it's mostly just you. Where are you going? Well, I'm, we've had it. We're out of here. It's like getting close to six o'clock right now. And then he goes, what are you going to do for, what are you gonna do for supper? Back in the house, man. We didn't even make it outside. <laughs> what are you do for supper? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. This is God speaking. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. If you steal something from God, then you have to create a story that makes that make sense to you. It's called lying. This is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. This is why it's not working, he's saying. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Now this is what we don't get. When God asks for something, even if it's to be destroyed, did you know that in the Old Testament they understood sacrifice because the sacrifice got burned at the altar? But we don't because we're Canadian, so this is how we say it. Okay, God, I'll do this for you, but what are you going to do for me? That's not how sacrifice works. Sacrifice, it's dead, it's on the altar, it's dead to you, you don't get it anymore. You don't get to look at it, hold it, or eat it. It's gone. Then he says this in verse 13. Get up. You want dinner or not? Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. See, God reveals that the thing that allows the thing to be hidden among us in, in, in your life here, and I'll, I'll bring it kind of closer to you here in a minute, but they've got to be hidden among us because they're still hidden among you. A very unnatural concept to God because it's not a kingdom concept, it's more of a Canadian concept. And you think to yourself, well, how could we have a slavery mindset? Just give me a minute here and you'll see the individualistic part. But Still creeping around in Israel is this thinking, but God knows that if they walk in as slaves, they're done, and their families are done. They have to walk in as soldiers, and that's a different mentality. That's a completely different animal. I ask the question, and I want you to think about this. What causes one person to carry a burden differently than another? Have you ever thought about that? Think about the people in your life and... It's not always that the most joyful people have the least amount of burden. How do you carry burdens? Everybody has burdens and everybody has trouble. How do you carry them? Why is the person down the street more joyful with their burden even though it's heavier than your burden? There's this layer of thinking in there that we need to be trained in how to rethink. I asked my dad one time, my dad grew up on the farm, do we have any farmers in the house? It's okay, you can raise your hand, no condemnation, like, I don't know, we eat your stuff, so. All right, um, my, dad, my dad was a farmer, but see, his dad was a pioneer, and so um, they were the baby boomers, and so there was, you know, in a town of 500 people, my dad had 45 boys, I think, in his class, or something ridiculous, in his class, baby boomers, I'll explain that later, but, but in this pioneering stock in this uh, 
small, see, they had to work a lot harder than you have to work. And so he was the oldest boy of nine, uh, nine kids. And so he had to get up early and his dad was sick. And so he worked like a slave. And one day I asked him, I said, dad, what is it? I said, like, by the time you were like a young teenager, you were working with men because you had to, or your brothers and sisters didn't make it through the winter. And I said, did you ever feel like you missed out on your childhood? And he says to me, not, not what millennials say, this is going to be new. And he goes, no, he says, I like working. I like working. He later heard that there was great money in, in becoming a pastor, so he became one. <laughs> he was misinformed. Um, I grew up in the home of uh, pastors, and, and my folks are great, great people, and, and they're part of our pastoral team here, and they're retired now, and they just love working and discipling people, and they're awesome. Oh my goodness, they're awesome. Um, but I, I noticed that in pastoring people, you see people at their worst a lot. And some people at their worst have been working on something for 20 years, a disaster in their home, and then when it falls apart, then it's your fault. Why didn't you stop? And you're like, do you remember the 47 conversations I had about how it's not going to be cool for very long acting like this? Every sermon you sat in, every, right? But uh, you don't know what it's like because you're not, you're not pastors. But I remember uh, in church people, when church people be crazy, church people be crazy. Because <laughs> God told them to. Mm. Oh, you don't know yet. Oh, if, you're, if you're new to Christianity, just hang on. Things get a little weird sometimes. Um, <laughs> awkward laughing. Where's he going with this? <laughs> if you were weird before and then you hear God tell you to do something ridiculous or you think that you heard God but it wasn't really God, then it gets really weird because God's all involved in this, right? So only church people get that. They're the only ones allowed to laugh. If you're not, then hey, it's going to be amazing. Um, That's why God puts you in a family. So sometimes people will be like, God told you to do what? that God told you to do that. That might be a God. I don't know that that's God, God, though. And so, um, so <laughs> one time there was this rumor floating around that dad, somebody had a dream or a vision or something, and, and there was this rumor floating around this tiny little town that we had the church in that, like, Richard Cope is a, is a four-foot-tall demon. <laughs> you don't know church people get a little weird, right? I'm like, A, he's five-foot-eight, Not, not a demon, a person. Uh, another rumor was floating around that uh, he used to preach with a cape on. I'm like, he does not preach with a cape on, only in the winter. It gets cold. But <laughs> no, he didn't preach with a cape on. He never preached with a cape on. I mean, like, who would make something like that up? But, you know, we, people believe it because they kind of want to. Um, another r- rumor there was floating around that if you, went to, if you went to the church that I grew up in, you had to have a minivan, and that was part of the cult thing, right? And it was like, no, no, nobody chooses to buy a minivan. You wouldn't belong in any cult to choose to drive a minivan. You just have too many kids. That's how that works. But, but I watched as he carried the burdens of people. Because pastors have, we have our own problems and our own family problems, and then we got a bunch more. And so it's fine because God has called us and graced us to that, but it also gets heavy sometimes. And I watched him carry this burden. And I watched him carry this burden. Some people, when they, when they carry this burden of people for a long time, they kind of get bitter and, and, and angry. And you start acting out a little bit or, or like, God, why are you, you know, like look at Moses and, and look at the leaders in the Bible. Like, God, why did you give me these people? They don't listen to anything I tell them to do. They're all a bunch of screw-ups. I got my own problems and I got their problems and they got more problems and I got problems. And, but I watched my mom and dad and I watched how they carried their burden and they carried it lightly. I always thought to myself, I kind of want to do it like that. 
I don't want to make a huge deal. See, Jesus says, if you come to me, you can cast off your yoke of sin, which is heavy. You served a master, but you're not trading one master for the other in the classic sense of, even though Paul says, the apostle says, you know, I'm a slave to Christ. Yeah, but Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you're making a meal out of it, you're carrying the burden all wrong. It's, it's because I believe that every generation that comes into Christianity, you have to decide to do this so your kids don't have to do this. You have to fight this battle and get through this because if you still think like a slave, then God just becomes another taskmaster. And if you're married right now and, and your husband asks you to do something for the family and it's hard, and how do you view yourself, moms, as you're running around changing diapers? And how do you, men, how do you view it? When, how do you view it when you're out earning money so your family can eat? Is it a burden? Are you doing it because, and here's a litmus test, how many times a week do you say, I have to, I have to, just ask, I have to do this, I have to go and, oh, I have to go get groceries, I have to, there's people that, that don't get to go get groceries because there's no groceries at the store and they wouldn't have anything to buy it with anyways, yeah. so if they go to the store, it's not like I have to go to the store, it's I get to go to the store because I have something to, Pastor Corey, I, you know, I don't have to park out in the far corner of the parking lot so you get a better spot, I get to because... At least I have a vehicle. I mean, we have two vehicles in our family. That's crazy. Like, we're rich. <laughs> you don't know this, but you're in the top, like, one percentile of the world in, in wealth. You just don't think that you are because you know somebody who's got more. And, and God says to Israel, you've got these hidden things among you, and, and the sacrifice I'm asking of Jericho it's becoming hard because you're not bearing the burden in the way that it was meant to be, to be born, and that's the problem. You need to be retrained, even Joshua, in how you think. Get up, Joshua. What you? No, no, no. If you fix this, then the problem goes away. Rethink. You've got, you got to be trained in how to rethink. If you say this too much, oh, we're not allowed to do this. See, the rules in my home are set up so that they protect my family and nurture them. So I, that might not have been your family, but that's how our family, we try to operate in the way that God wants us to operate. And so if you say, I, I have to too much, or we're not allowed to, but see, there's a reason why you're not allowed to. And so see, a slave mentality sees offense and says, God, my boss, is trying to keep something away from me, He's trying to keep me in, you know, hem me in. Right, but, but an owner and a soldier sees offense and they're like, oh, it's keeping things out. Oh, this is, oh, okay, okay, no, 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 it's for my good, it's for my protection. Keep the things away from me that's going to hurt me. And what the devil wants to do is, is, look, you know that you were a slave to sin, you know that you were addicted into all sorts of stuff, and you know that the devil never made one promise that he ever gave you come true. Just give it a few months. And then what happens is, you come into Christ, and then he starts talking to you like God is this person who wants something from you. And so then God asks you to do something hard, but you don't see him like, like the Father in heaven who wants everything for you. So he asks you, he challenges you in your attitude about something. He, he has your boss challenge you at work about something, and you don't see it like that because you just traded one master for another master, and both of them wanted something from you. And God in heaven is like, wait, wait, sorry, what are you on your face for? Like, I don't get it. There's this lack of something, connection here. Because you're thinking all wrong. What's the difference between a slave state and a free state? I've been thinking about this this week. and You don't know because you're Canadian, but there are lots of slave states out there, and definitely were a lot more, and 
I think, you know, the, in, a, in a country that has slaves, the same amount of work needs to be done to get the crop in. You can do it with slaves or you can do it with owners. It's the same burden. Am I making sense? You got the same jobs to do in your life as your neighbor does, but how you're carrying the burden has to do with your mentality about your burden. And um, the same amount of work needs to get done, but what is a slave state versus a free state? How do we think? And See, you think that, that Canadians have never been, you know, and we oppose slavery for the most part, and okay, but we're so individualistic that, that that's what a slave state is. I'll get mine. See, slaves don't do uh, work unless somebody watches them. Is that you? You work a lot harder when the boss is around. Slaves don't necessarily care if their brother gets caught stealing something, even though it affects the whole nation, because at least it wasn't them getting caught. That was my whole motto in school, by the way. Like Johnny over here is getting a tongue lashing. Whew. It wasn't me. I was doing the same stuff, but... An individualistic mentality. I'll get mine. Then, see, the trouble is when you're a slave, then it's everybody's job around you to make sure that you get yours too. I can tell the difference between an owner and a slave sometimes because uh, owners pick up the Kleenex on the ground. See, some people come into church and they start thinking of the church as the churches that they used to go to. (laughs) I don't mean like Christian churches, I mean sin churches that they used to be involved in in the stuff that... From the way y'all are looking at me, I know some of your story. And I know that it wasn't all like a good kind of church. And so I forgive you. <laughs> but there's this mentality shift. And then we come into Christ and he trades all of your sin for all of that he has. And then he asks you to do something and you're like, what's in it for me? God. And he's like, what? Sin of, that's not how sacrifice works. That's not how sacrifice works. When you're changing diapers, do you have to? <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> What's your attitude like, moms? When you don't get sleep for three years straight, well, what's your attitude like? See, if you're an owner, your attitude is like, I am culturing this. I'm going to, by the grace of God, turn this terrible little two-year-old into a productive member of society. Every sleepless night, like, no, you can't have, no, you don't get to eat candy. I'm going to change your diaper. Because one day you're going to change my diapers. <laughs> or pay for somebody who will. I go to work every day. Why? Because I have to. Because I have to. Because I get to. I get to go to work so that I can be generous. I get to budget so that I can be generous. So, so that I get to sow into the lives of people. I get to. I get when somebody does something for me, not because they have to. 
This is why if you come join any venue dream teams, you need to go to NXT, by the way, because we're going to tell you about Venue Church and tell you a little bit about yourself today in part one. It is a great time to come on board. But that's our NXT that happens here. But, but listen, right after the service, but listen, are you? So, and we serve you food. No plug intended. I can't remember where I was going with all that. But see, when you get here to church early to set up and it's your day to set up, you don't have to. You get to. Because somebody walking in that door needs that seat. And they, they need the lights and they need the music and they need to get open to God and they need because they come in and, and this is what your life is like and this is what my life is like. It's like this. I preach this in the team huddle ahead of time. Who, who enjoyed that? Okay. Now, I'm not the most logical preacher and today's sermon is not the most logical sermon, so deal with it. Um, some, my dad was more of a teacher, so it was like line upon line upon line. And so when teachers teach the Word of God, they come at it from the point of view of like, the Word of God is inherently powerful, and when we teach it, then people's lives get changed. A preacher has a different point of view, and they're like, okay, when we apply the Word of God properly, then people's lives change. Both are right, of course, but I'm a preacher, so I like that one better. <laughs> but what we, we do is we come in here, and, and our lives are this like Rubik's Cube, and Rubik's Cubes are like impossible to sort out physically. Like you cannot fix one of these things. And your life comes in all sorted out. And, but I watched one of the production guys who's a bit of a nerd. He can solve a Rubik's Cube in like 30 seconds. Like messing around. Now I can solve it in about 30 minutes, but I have to peel all the stickers off <laughs> and get everything back out there. But isn't that the way that your life is, right? You come into church and you're trying to think through your life. And you want like a preacher, just give me the logical bits. Now I can give you one logical application point per sermon because I don't know, you know, I could preach 57 chapters, but you're going to go home and you just read a manual and you're just going to take a nap and forget everything that I preach. And so I'd rather you apply one thing in your life, but here's what I want for you. And here's the type of church that venue churches. When you watch somebody who knows how to do this, like, like Mr. Hunt, he does it instinctively and he unwinds this thing just like, he's not thinking. You can't think that fast. And he definitely doesn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm only kidding. I love you. I love you. All right. Where are you? You're in the front row. Ooh, normally there's a bit of distance between us. <laughs> At least you can't turn my mic off, which is a good thing. Um, but when I watch him do this, now this is why you really came to Venue Church this morning, because the Holy Spirit can unwind you without your brain getting involved in most of it. Worship a little bit. Come and lay your sacrifice at the altar. Come listen to the word of God being preached. And you leave and you're a different person than when you came. And you didn't do it. Oh, you'll have an application. You'll have a little bit of homework to do that if you do it, your life, you know, I mean, it'll, it'll get much better than it already was. But you leave without the burden that you came in with. Why? Because you can't untangle you. But a slave, because a slave is individualistic, wants that, but they also want the credit for that. Because it's all about me and what I did and what I, you know, but you come together as a family of God and something magic is in the, the Holy Spirit, man, when that smoke machine comes on, it's like the Holy Spirit just, and he does stuff in your heart that you'll never be able to fix. And you go back to your family, you go back to your friendships and your job and you have this new outlook, you have this new change of thinking that happened without you actually doing much except for being in the right place at the right time. I want a Rubik's Cube your morning by the power of the Holy Spirit today. See, slaves ultimately have a, have a loyalty problem, don't they? Who's a slave loyal to but themselves? 
And this is where I think the Canadian church, why we're trying to do something a little bit different than what we've seen over the years, and, and I'm not saying anything about any church. Every church will reach a certain type of people, but this is what I really feel like we need to do here is, is this shift that's happened in Venue Church in the last two months. I don't know if you've felt it yet, but we, we're rolling it out into small groups maybe two weeks ago, and we're rolling it out here right now. Is that you can come into Christianity and, and come into church and still have a slave-like mentality, you can still be a slave to a different God, but it's not the real God, because this God, when you come to church, man, this all belongs to you. When I go to my house, like, it all belongs to me. Of course I'm... I can fix oil in the car. It's my car. It drives my kids around. It all belongs. It's all mine. See, the, the prodigal son goes away, and he becomes a slave in the pig pen to another guy, but the older son is sitting in the church, and he's like, but father, and this is like when you talk to God, you've been in church for too long without actually applying what he was telling you to apply and get his heart, what happens is he's like, but I was a slave all this time, and you never threw a party for me, and the father's like, what? You have everything that I have. Throw yourself a dang party. It's all yours. You inherit it all. It's an investment. I serve you because it's an investment into you. But here's what we haven't understood yet. I heard a man named Erwin McManus explain this. And I, as soon as he said it, I knew by the Spirit of God that I hadn't got this right. See, I, I used to think that loyalty buys loyalty. I used to think that when I give something to you, that that buys your loyalty to me. That's how I lived my life. It's good that I give. It's good that my relationships and in my job and my career that I give. But when I give to you, that doesn't buy your loyalty to me. That, that are you ready? Yeah. That buys my loyalty to you. See, a slave will receive and receive and receive. And rarely say thank you. But a slave is not loyal to their master. But a soldier is. A slave is not asked to give more than a soldier is. And I realized that's it. That's the shift we needed to make in church. This is what we're doing right now. Um, in our small groups. If you're a small group leader, you text your people once a week and like, hey, how can I pray for you? No matter what we hear back, the next thing we send out is, and here's how you can pray for me. That's where we missed it. That's where we missed it, and I didn't know. See, I watched my dad serve all those people all those years, and I watched so many people walk away from him, and I'm like, how could they walk away from him when he's given so much? And how come he never walked away from a single one? And I realized, oh, that's why. Because he was the one doing the giving. The personal, heartfelt prayer. When somebody's marriage is off the rails, he was there. He was there. He was there. He was there. And I realized, ah, oh, but they never went back the other way. That's what we missed. My kids have a small group in our basement that's like twice the size of my small group. And you know what we're doing now? I'm like, you train these guys. When you text them during the week and you ask how they can pray for you, then you tell them how to pray for... Then, then you're like, hey, how can I pray for you? Awesome. I'm going to pray for that for you. Here's how you can pray for me. Right there. 
I, I said to the to the youth, I'm like the youth leaders. I'm like, when when you ask, like, hey, how's it? How, how you doing this week? Oh, my week was hard. I'm tired. Youth are always tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Okay, okay. Well, here's how my week was. Okay, not all about you. That's a problem. It's not about you. Hollering and screaming about when dinner is, mom. When when do I, how can I help? Thank you, mom. Kids, you better be thanking your moms for dinner. There's worse options out there. Making your own dang meals. And I realized that was it. That was the piece we missed. And I want to be a loyal person because my dad taught me how to live like a free man and not a slave. But I want you to cast off that yoke of slavery that's been hounding you your entire life and keeping you down. Even when you know Christ has been keeping you down. I I want you to be released of that. And the only thing that can break the power of that is personal giving away. Of yourself, of your time, of your talent, of your prayer, of your resources. Giving away. Look, Don't just give to the church. Give to people. If you are lacking loyalty towards a person, bring something to them and say, just wanted to bless you. Here's a cup of coffee. Just wanted to bless you and say thank you. Just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate everything that you do for me. You go above and beyond. Listen, they'll work for you, employers, but they could, you could have everything about them too. You could be, when was the last time you asked how their family was doing? Yeah, they're working for wages. That's what slaves do, but you could make a slave an owner. How's your family doing? How's your marriage doing? You okay? Okay, we got lots of work to do. I just want you to know that that's more important to me. Now everybody's nodding because everybody's got a boss. Have you ever done that to your boss? I don't know, because you think of yourself like a slave. How you doing? Is there anything I can do for you this week? Here's a cup of coffee. I know I think that I deserve a raise, but here's a cup of coffee. I like you. Not all the time, but I like you. It will start shifting your mentality and you'll start to understand something that you can't understand when you think like a slave. Is that this whole thing belongs to you if you're a Christ follower. The inheritance of the Son of the living God belongs to you if you're a Christ follower. Not just forgiveness of sins, but all the promises of God, the whole promised land. But a slave can't get in there because you're going to have to fight. And every time somebody asks you to do something, you're going to be like, well, and what else is in it for me? See, Achan was a taker. And what happened was Achan cost his entire family their lives because that thing had to get out of Israel or it would have cost Israel everything. And let me just close this by saying, look, can you imagine the conversation in heaven when God is looking down at you and your life in a mess and he's like, um, I need a volunteer? For, for what, Jesus says? Uh, it's going to be a suicide mission. And Jesus is like, okay. People volunteered to keep your country free. Okay. Greater love hath no one than this than to give his life and lay down his life for his friends. How much of your life are you laying down, really? Oh yeah, a bit of time. Are you laying your life down for people? Jesus is like, okay. So you want me to go down and they're going to crucify me on a cross? And um, you know one thing he never asked? What's in it for me? Because there was nothing in it for him because it was a sacrifice. And that's the point of a sacrifice. 
And God raised him up to his right hand. And to him we sing the praises and, and give the glory and the honor. Because there is no God like our God who could turn around a sacrifice and resurrect a life in the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. He says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers. You know how you beat the principalities and powers in your life? You sacrifice and you give your life away to receive the life that Christ has for you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here. I pray that we would get this concept, Lord, that you would unrubix cube us, Father, and get this concept into our spirits that our lives were about what we were supposed to give away, not what we were supposed to keep. And Father, I pray this week that you would put something very practical in the hearts and souls of every person, that we could give away, not because of what's in it for us, Father. We could give away because that's what we were born to do, and that's what our Master, our Lord Jesus, does, Lord. As we lift our praise to you, I pray that you would release people from the burden of slavery right now in Jesus' name. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.